Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable hope can live or die so speak life because this is what he does for a living. So, um and I just love 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 kids. You guys know that. So, we are just going to just going to get right into this show tonight. We have some very special guests that we're going to introduce here shortly, going to bring them on, but before we do that, we want you to know that the chat line is open. For those of you who are listening by way of chat, please do submit your questions or comments right there. If you are listening online but you are not using the chat line and you'd like to do that, you have to register as a follower, and you can do that online. Uh, Just follow the link, follow, and that will prompt you to move forward with what you need to do. You can register using Facebook, or you can create a username that does not allow us to know who you are. So feel free to do that. In addition, the phone lines are open if you are listening and do decide that you want to call in, 818-691-7406. Again, 818-691-7406 is the call-in number. You do have to select the number one only if you have a question or a comment that you want to, to get in, in tonight during tonight's show, and we will pull you in by providing your area code that you're calling from and the last four digits again of that number that you're calling from. So that's how we'll, we'll we will pull you in into tonight's show. Again, tonight's topic is let teachers teach. Um, Want to remind you all before we get going about our trash can concept. We've been leaving that out a little bit, but we want to continue this this mission uh, promoting change through the process of self accountability, self awareness just holding yourself accountable for where you are in life. And for me, um, Rodney, that's becoming so clear, so much more clear because I, I think I was one of those those young people and, and an adult as well where it was easy for me to kind of stay where I was because I blamed so many people for it. Um, but recently I've, I've really taken a liking to wherever I am, I'm going to hold myself responsible because either I've allowed what happened Um, to keep me here or I'm still blaming someone else and waiting on them to fix this problem for me because I feel they created it and so not true. Um, 
And so I think once we take responsibility of where we are in our lives, regardless of, you know, how you need to do that, but we do need to do that, move forward and move on and and create the life that we want. And so one way we do that on this show um, may sound a little elementary, but this was introduced to me years and years ago, and I did it in my home with my son and just kind of made a game out of it. Um, your trash can. We ask that you move your trash can, one that you visit frequently, preferably maybe kitchen or somewhere like that, move it to a different location. And when you do that, monitor how often you return back to its old location. If you're like me and the rest of the world, you'll find that you're going back pretty often to the old location. When you do that, ask yourself, number one, why am I continuing to come here when I clearly know I've moved it? What other things or people that I'm holding on to just because I'm accustomed to it, it has become a habit, a way of life. Ask your friends to do it as well. What you will find is even your relatives and your friends whose houses you visit frequently, you'll notice that you will go back to where their old trash, where their trash can was. Um, I'm still doing that from time to time. I did that recently to one of my best friends' home. I, she'd moved it, and I went back to where it, she's moved it now probably almost a year, if not a little bit more. And for whatever reason, a couple weeks ago, I went back to where she had it in her pantry, and I go to her house frequently. So I don't know what that was about, but we both laughed. So do this. Do it with your children. Do it with your family. Put a little chart on the refrigerator and and have everybody, every time they go back to its location, go over and put a little number because that means they went back and see who wins, see who goes back the most. So that's something, again, and as you do it, be mindful. Think about what else am I doing just out of habit, and you'll you will find yourself surprised, I believe. And and if you do, come back and let Rodney and I know how many times you've been there, um, and and how it's changing your life. What is it making you think about, um, and things like that. So, let's get started, Rodney. If if you'll go ahead and introduce our special guest, and we'll just get right into the show. Absolutely, we are so ecstatic to have our. Two wonderful people on that I've had a chance to uh, connect with uh, via Twitter over the past couple of weeks. And uh, just by reading people's posts, you can tell by how passionate uh, they are about education or about anything. And so um, I recently connected with two people on uh, Twitter, and tonight they're going to be talking with us about uh, the impact of per. Uh, parental involvement. They're going to be talking to us about standardized testing. They're also going to be talking to us about social promotion and anything else that comes up during this show. Please be mindful, everyone. This is not a complaining session. Uh, this is more so about calling out the the issues and and the needs in education, uh, the well-being of our children. And so while we want to point out critical issues and critical things that are going on in education. We also want this to, 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 to serve as an informative piece. We want this to serve as um, a way of getting the word out to the public, but also we want to help people. We want to help parents. We want to help educators. We want to help administrators um, and anyone else that we can because when it's all said and done, it's all about the children. And so we have some very special guests. I'm going to uh, introduce the first one, and then I'll let her uh, share anything she would like to about herself and anything that she has going on. And the first person is uh, 
Miss Jackie Craig, who is a dedicated wife and mom of two. Uh, Miss Jackie, you're on with us. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you so much, Rodney and Tammy, for having me and Mindy for meeting you here in this uh, wonderful engagement. Um, I really appreciate you connecting with me and letting me have a voice in education as a parent and as a public education advocate. I live in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, and I have a past of working with Employment and Training Services Program, so I've seen a lot of the benefits of education, a great public education system, and I've seen some of the gaps that we have, and I really am passionate about learning from those who have their boots on the ground, the people who uh, work in schools every day to provide our children opportunities to grow and learn and who we partner with in our community. And and I've seen a lot of, let's say, um, less of a partnering and a partnership feeling and a lot of um, kind of negative streaming going on, and so that's what really fired me up and got me involved. Okay. So, uh, we 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 love when people get involved, especially parents. And we're going to talk about parental involvement in just one second. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, and introduce our our second guest. Um, and before we give her a chance to speak, we would like to tell her a happy birthday. Today is her birthday, and she decided to join us uh, on the Butterfly Evolution Show. Uh, so we do want to say happy birthday to Mindy. Uh, Mindy, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much. Rodney, <laughs> did you say we, we were going to sing happy birthday? Is that what you said? You were going to sing happy birthday? Is that what I heard? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we don't, don't want to be kicked off the radio, so I'm going to keep my children to myself. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well, thank you so much. Well, as Rodney said, my name is Mindy. Um, I am a 17-year educator from New York City. I'm a product of public schools, and I'm currently now with the Department of Education for the last eight years. Um, I've always been a special ed teacher, and my story really began um, where my public school is. I'm in Harlem, and it's an all-special-needs um, school, but we're also housed in a building with a few other schools, and one of them is Success Academy, which is a charter school. And over the last eight years, we have lost so many vital rooms to them. And um, basically, we lost a computer room, um, a science room, an art room. Um, we have to share. The, the gym is actually the cafeteria, and we can only use it in the mornings. We've lost classrooms. And last year, there was a plan that was going to take over much more of our space, which would have essentially closed our site. And um, what got me to start being active is that after seven years of seeing how little they cared about our most vulnerable children, I started to be—I started to participate in more in meetings, in um, public, uh, excuse me, in um, press conferences, and anything that was involved with my school because I felt enough was enough. And um, we we fought back, and um, my school is actually one of the three that Mayo de Blasio had overturned for charter approvals. And um, so he he saved our space. And um, over the past year, 
I've done press conferences. We did a huge rally at the New York Public Library, of which we followed up with the march to Governor Cuomo's Manhattan office. Um, I became involved with so many wonderful people. I'm now um, part of MORE, which is a caucus of the UFT, and um, I'm really doing what I can for our students and actually for all students because one thing I have learned this year is that uh, we we can't keep silent. We need to be the voice of for our children because even though teachers are ba- we're basically on the bottom of the education totem pole, but yet we are blamed for everything. But even though we are being blamed for everything, we are still the voice of our children. And what got me so passionate and so riled up in everything that I've done is because I kept reading more and more and seeing how in this year, how how much has gone on, not just in New York City, but nationwide and even internationally, it's it's so maddening because it's the children is coming last and it's about greed, it's about profit, and it's not about the children's best interest. So that's why I'm here and I'm doing what I can, as much as I can, for all those involved, for students, for parents, for teachers, anything that I can do to help. That is awesome. We actually, uh, I'm going to pull in someone real quick. Uh, we we have someone, I'll let him share who he is, um, uh, calling from area code 646, uh, last four digits are 1931. We're going to let him talk about some of the great things that are going on uh, at his school. Um, and we're going to pull him in. I'm going to try to pull him in. Uh, I don't know if it'll let you. Yep, can you pull there him you in? Go. I did. Uh, He's in. All right, you are all with us. Go ahead, tell the people who you are, and uh, just talk about some of the positive things that are going on at your school. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so uh my name is Jamal Bowman. I'm the uh <clears throat> I'm the founding principal of Cornerstone Academy for Social Action Middle School. We're located in the uh northeast Bronx. And uh this is our sixth year. You know, I was fortunate enough to open up the school in two thousand nine. And uh yeah, man, I mean we you know, we're we're fortunate to be well I'm fortunate to be principal of some amazing students. We have about 250 students, about um, 85% free-reduced lunch, uh, mostly black and Latino, right around the corner from the projects. And, you know, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed to be doing what I do. I love what I do. I love my staff. You know, we have a very passionate, committed staff, like many uh, district public schools out there. And, uh, I mean, you know, we we provide our students with uh, with a holistic curriculum, so we're not a test prep culture, you know. We don't we don't believe in that. We believe in providing the core competencies, which you know historically have been you know the humanities, the math, the science. But we also you know we're heavy in the arts. You know our kids have dance, our kids have creative arts, our kids have an art club. Um, we 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 have botany. Uh, we have genius hour, uh, which is. Uh, you know, twice a week, two 60-minute periods a week, students get to pursue passion projects. Um, anything they want, any topic they want, any ideas they're interested in, uh, they get to pursue those, generate essential questions, get those, question ans- get those questions answered. Um, our kids produce uh, 
music videos, they write songs, they write rap lyrics, they sing, they dance. Uh, if you go to our YouTube and type in CASA Middle School, C-A-S-A Middle School, you'll see, you know, some of our work. Uh, we recently did a, a, a video. Uh, we partner with two great organizations, Hip Hop Saves Lives and Nick World, um, and they partner with each other to form Kids Helping Kids. And it's all about using hip hop um, as a culture, um, pretty much based on what it was founded to do, which was stop violence in the community and not the uh, misogyny and, and the womanizing and the and the violence that's perpetuated now through the mass media. That's not what hip hop was founded on. It was founded on the principles of community upliftment. So we use sort of the roots of hip hop uh, to build cultural competency and connect with our students in a way that that we think is very powerful. So um, you know, through all that, you know, our, we we build you know character. You know, we have great attendance. I mean, our kids come to school every day. Uh, 97% attendance rate. Um, they love coming to school. Parents love the school. And, you know, despite not being a test prep curriculum, we still have, we still boast some, some pretty decent test scores, man. So, you know, it, it, it's great, man. I, I'm, like I said, happy to do what I do and, and, and happy to do it every day. I don't get tired, which is great. Well, 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 well we know that, that as a, as an educator, you can never get tired. Uh, we're going to jump into to, uh, the nitty-gritty stuff, but we want to start off with talking about parental involvement, and we want to go in this order uh, for this for this first uh, question, and uh, that is Jackie, Mindy, and then uh, Jamal. And, and so our first question is, how valuable is parental involvement, and what what can teachers parents and students do to sort of uh, how how can that triangular relationship impact a child's education and a child's life? So how, how critical is that uh, parental involvement piece? And we'll start with the parent first. Uh, Ms. Jackie, go ahead. Thank you. Um, the parental involvement triangle, as it were, of teacher, parent, student, it's a, it makes a huge impact, and it can make a super positive impact, and it can have a negative impact depending upon how the relationship is. It starts, like with everything, rapport building, the ability to connect, the ability to respect and understand and value each other's opinion and expertise and want to contribute to the growth of all the individuals involved. So having parental involvement is key, but if there's not a direct parent there, I think it, we can call it more of like a family involvement because not everybody has a parent that's able to be involved as much as the parent maybe would like or maybe the parent's gone for whatever reason. Um, I would call it more of a teacher-student family school triangle concept. Um, kids perform better when they feel parents and or family members or whoever they feel as family are supportive of school and they do better and they feel better, less anxiety when parents and or family members and teachers are in agreement about issues related to school and are on the same path and supporting that child's path. When you get the conflict and um, problems arise that are are causing problems for the children, i.e., 
you get a so let's say you get a child who has maybe not slept well and a teacher is going to call out some behaviors because a child's tired and they're misbehaving like I would too if I were tired. Um, teacher is going to call it out, connect with the parent, and if the parent is immediately defensive and or if the language is um, putting a person on defense from the teacher, it, it starts things off in a negative manner. And instead, if we can find a way to really kind of get in each other's shoes and understand where people are and why things may be happening the way they are, we can really develop more of a common goal. And I I really think it's key to a child's life. Um, Kids can be very confused or upset if there's a disconnect between the, the adults in their world. And so parents need to accept the existence of this of this triangle of this other adult in the child's life so that we can connect more fluidly for the person that matters most in that triangle the child okay um mindy what what do you think um as an educator what do you what do you see and 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 how do you feel about parental involvement i th- I I personally believe, and I know tons of other people as well, parental involvement is extremely important. Now, in my school, like I said, we're all special needs. So all the children that are here, they truly need all the support that they can get. And they receive all the services mandated for them at my school. But sometimes it's, it's very hard to get parental involvement. And it could be for numerous reasons. I mean, many um, many of our kids may live outside of the Harlem area, and it may not be convenient for parents to get to us during times where we have meetings, say for for teachers, excuse me, teacher student, I'm sorry, teacher parent conferences or any other workshops that we may have during the day or at three o'clock. But we have a wonderful parent coordinator that reaches out to parents. We do have some core parents that are always involved. And um, as of this summer, we were one of the 100 schools that were granted community learning school status. So our school now is going to be, we're in the baby stages but we're going to have so many wonderful projects that we're going to be involved with for, you know, for medical, dental, mental health. You know, we can have cooking demos. We'll have maybe longer um, library library hours, um, anything with the community that we can involve the students the parents, the teachers, you know, any of the businesses in the area. And this is really a wonderful thing for our school. And we are also doing this in conjunction with another school in our building, PS149, which is gen ed, um, elementary through middle school. And besides the fact that this is a wonderful opportunity for both of our schools, this also, the umbrella of being a community school, protects Uh. us from being kicked out, you know, by uh, uh, by the charter school trying to take over space. So in so many ways, this benefits our children and our parents in so many ways. And I, you know, I actually earlier today, I just typed up a letter, you know, emphasizing to parents what a great program we're now, that we now have and that we want them to be a part of it because we're going to have an advisory board that helps make decisions for what services our school is going to be able to give to them. And having them involved in the decision-making, I, I think 
to, to parents would be is really great because they can they can see and choose and know what's best for their children and for the you know the environment of the other children in it. Um, but I do know you know in New York City, you know in in some areas, you know where it's a lower socioeconomic, it's it's harder for there to be more parental environment, and we try to do the best we can, you know, to reach out to talk to them. Um, we're, you know, be it the guidance counselor, the teachers. Um, I'm science, the science teacher, so I'm considered cluster, but I reach out to parents as well. So we, we try to make it as, as much as a, a family atmosphere as we can, um, you know, because we're educating their their children, and they and we feel they really should be involved because, you know, as we're saying that the triangle, it's important. We all go hand in hand. You know, it's it's they're just in just in general. There has to be more parental involvement. Growing up, my mother was on me all the time to study, to do my homework, to do the best that I can. And I cared about what I was doing, and I cared that she was proud of what I was doing. And many of the children, they, they're coming into our school with who knows what's going on behind them. We have students that are in foster homes. We have students that are homeless. I mean, there's, there's a lot of sad stories. I mean, children are coming in starving. You know, and we we have to be there any way we can and work together with all those involved, be it a parent, a guardian, a forced parent, anything, you know, because th- these are our children. Okay, we're going to call on the uh, the principal, uh, Jamal. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Um First of all, I think the mindset uh, needs to be needs to be there um, from 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 a teacher and a school staff perspective in terms of you know these are our kids right these are all of our kids so that we have to do a, a, a better job I think of connecting with parents more consistently so that consistent connection and consistent communication from the school. Uh, to the parent is, is essential, right? So our teachers are encouraged to contact parents consistently just to inform them as to how well their child is doing in class. Um, we send out progress reports uh, consistently uh, way before the report card so parents uh, know how their child is doing. Um, we have a computer program that we use in grade so parents can go online and log in to see how their children are doing academically. Um, we, we have a practice where we collect uh, parent emails. Um, so I send parent emails, uh, send emails out consistently. Uh, it could be over the weekend, could be during the, during the evening. Um, any information, any resources I come across, you know, I try to send out. And then we also send, you know, robocalls, you know, mass calls regarding school events, uh, regarding things that are happening. So, you know, I've been fortunate. I mean, we've been fortunate um, that parents have been really responsive to us. But um, it hasn't been easy. It's a, it's about the consistent communication, um, the varied communication, uh, you know, because parents don't always read, you know, the letters that we backpack home. Um, they don't always read the letters we send home, but they may read an email. You know, they may read um, a text message. You know, they'll respond to a phone call, you know, for whatever reason. Also, every parent has my personal cell phone number. Um, so as a principal, that's really empowering for them to 
uh, have my number. So they contact me, you know, whenever they need to. And it, it doesn't, you know, they don't abuse it. It's not something that, you know, they're calling me all hours of the day. I mean, thankfully, we try to, to build a, a rapport with parents. Um, just having an open-door policy, a lot of face-to-face meetings and, and, and things of that nature. So over the years, the fact that I've been in the school for six years, um, you know, it's helped to just, you know, our school is now sort of a staple of the community, so they, they know me, they're used to me, um, and that connection is much more sort of free-flowing. And, and the most important thing is it's built on trust. Uh, they trust me. Um, they trust what we're doing. And um, so when we call on them, they respond. So that's good. Okay. May I okay. chime in just a second, Ronnie and Tammy? This is Jackie. Absolutely. I just wanted to say um, thank you, Mindy and Jamal. You both are connecting with parents, and I think that's great. And the whole concept of advisory councils or advisory boards, it's a great way to involve families in decisions that are coming forward because oftentimes families are really busy um, and families are made up of um, very diverse uh, family members. I mean, you just have all kinds of different families. And we have to respect the fact that some people, like you said, Jamal, get their information in different ways, and we want to make sure we're getting information out to everyone and offering opportunities for everyone to become involved. And advisory councils are a nice way to do that. But sometimes, you know, it's hard when you have, in my area, I'm just going to say we got a little bit of privilege going on down here because we have a lot of um, stay-at-home parents, much of them, most mostly moms, some dads, but we have a lot of stay-at-home parents, and they're involved in all that, almost helicoptering around. It's, I'm sure I get, people get very annoyed with me at the school. I'm, I'm there so often, but <laughs> at the same point, having those people that are involved, it takes the community, and we all care about every single child in that school, and the people who are able to give some time, they do, and they do it gladly. And you'll find that parents are thinking of not just their kids, but they think of other people's children, too, when they're brought in and they have the knowledge about what the needs are of the school and where the school is going. And if the transparency is there, I think that's really key. Thank you. Now, now, now these, are, these are all great things. And, again, if you're just now joining us, because we've had several people to tune in, I know a lot of people were uh, waiting on the uh, – uh, the, the the verdict uh, uh, to come down from uh, from Ferguson, uh, and if you're listening, uh, uh, there will not be any charges uh, uh, pressed against. Uh, I think his name was Officer Wilson. Uh, so I think we've had people to tune in uh, within the last few minutes uh, because the verdict has come down, and uh, there, there will there will be no uh, charges against the officer uh, in the Michael Brown uh, shooting. But anyway. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, I mean, we I mean can we can I, can we touch on that point uh, really quickly? I mean, I don't want to belabor the point. I know you have your agenda, but I, I just wanted to make a quick comment about that, if that's okay. Absolutely, go ahead. No, I, I just mean, you know, many of us. I mean, if you're teaching in a Title One school, um, especially in New York City, I'm in the Bronx. I'm from New York City, so most of the Title One schools in New York City are schools with black and brown children, right? So, you know, we have, you know, we have these, these black and brown children growing up in New York City, which has a history of police brutality and, and, and police killing, you know, young black males and, and not being indicted for it. Um, not only young black males, but black and Latino males as well. I mean, before Mike Brown, 
Eric Gardner was put in a chokehold in Staten Island uh, and, and was killed. And, and I don't know if an indictment has come down on yet, and if it has kind of been hush-hush and what have you. And forgetting the indictment, I mean, the fact that young black males continue to be murdered by the police who are supposed to protect and serve us every day, it's, it's traumatizing, right? So when we talk about parent involvement, we need to talk about community involvement and community connection and talk about the NYPD's role in that. Um, if I'm, as a black male growing up in American society now, because we're not talking about New York only, we're talking about Ferguson, we're talking about L.A., it happens all over the country, how am I supposed to grow up with any confidence in this system um, in which I'm going to school, supposedly to get an education and better my life and better my circumstances? How, how am I going to grow up with that confidence, with that faith, with that sense of self-esteem and self-worth? I mean, how am I going to grow up with that as opposed to growing up with the fear and the anger and the frustration? And how am I going to concentrate on my schooling if that fear and anger and frustration is pervasive and overwhelming to the point where, like, you know, people around me are now going crazy as a result of the consistent killing of black men throughout American history? I mean, it it started 400 years ago and it's continuing today. You know, so this impacts our children greatly. So it's not just about parent involvement, it's about community involvement, and it's about dealing with these issues through the curriculum in a way that empowers the young men so that they can move forward and feel empowered as they live in a society. Okay. Hey, Ryan, uh, this is Sammy. I want to jump for for a second. All of you have made some great points, and I want to I want to start with with um, with Jamal. Our last comment. First, I want to commend you. It sounds like you have a an awesome program that needs to be um, oh gosh duplicated times ten. And what what Thank I feel you. generates your your system is the trust. You said you said something a, a number of things, and I tried to write down as much as I could. But you mentioned that there's a level of trust, and for you to be able to give your your cell number out and not receive that many calls, it goes even beyond that because what it says is not only does your students trust you, but if those students are going home with some issues. Those parents trust you because they're not calling you. They're saying, no, I know this is your problem, your issue, so I commend you for that. Um, as it relates to this, this verdict, I, I, I want to challenge everyone. When you say community involvement, I want everyone listening and for those who may listen to the archive show, if you think that you can turn an eye to this issue, to this, this situation, then I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out one commercial that I never see anymore but I remember this commercial so vividly because it speaks volumes. And, and hopefully you guys have seen it. If not, try to find it. There's a commercial that the bus driver pulls up to pick up kids. Um, these kids get on the bus. And, well, before let me back up. Before that, this bus driver is, is actually getting high. He's, he's smoking weed, and he gets on the bus. And the, the, the commercial says, this is not your problem. Well, this same man pulls up to pick up your children, and it says, well, is it? So I'm going to go back. All these children that we are looking over, um, that we're pushing through the system, that we're allowing even their families to do it, because I feel like if it's my mother, if it's my brother, if it's my sister, if they're not doing their job as a parent, we need to speak up and speak out. The 
same with the community, the police officers. We need to speak out because it's going to come a time. These kids are not going to have anywhere to go. They feel like most, most of our kids today feel like college is not a part of their life, um, so they're dropping out. Jobs now are some of them. You're probably going to have to be able to do more than, than you ever had to do to get a job at McDonald's. We just had a problem with our young people this past Saturday where officers who look like them, these are our brown kids, um, told them the system is now creating laws based on the crimes that you are making, and they're also building schools based on your test scores. So, and, and some of them are sitting looking so, so blank, like they didn't even get that. So mm -hmm. it's going to come a time where these children that we are passing through the system is going to be standing over you because they got to eat, they got to live, and they're going to they're gonna have any problem taking your life. If it's not you, then it could be your children. It could be your spouse. We can't close ourselves up in the mm -hmm. house. We cannot avoid this issue. So I say to everyone, you might think you can, you can move away, you can go to this state, but you cannot run from this. Whether you have a mm -hmm. child, whether you've raised a child, it is everyone's responsibility to be a parent. We need that village back, and we need to call people out. I don't care who they are, what position they're in. They need to be called out if they're not doing these kids justice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you, and, and, and I want to ask this question to, to all of you, and, and in no particular order, but uh, just because this, this ruling is going to be a hot topic for a long time and we don't want to get too far off of the, uh, off of the uh, uh, agenda. However, uh, since we've gone in this direction a little bit, what do you say to, to your child or uh, what, do you, what do you say to, to any child um, after a ruling like this we know how powerful the media can be, um, and we think about this one and, and and the other ones that have happened recently with Eric Garner, with Trayvon Martin, uh, the uh, the young man uh, that also was uh, was was gunned down in Florida. What do you say to a child who may have um, issues after this verdict? What do you say to them? You know, so this is Jackie, and um, I I can't imagine, um, as a mother of a couple of Caucasian kids in a suburb of the Twin Cities in Minnesota, I can tell my kids, you know, if you are scared, you go to someone who's wearing a, a uniform. You find someone in a uniform, and they'll help you always. And I'm afraid there are people in this country, my friends being honest, that can't they can't say the same things to their kids. And and there are wonderful officers out there. I, one of my degrees is in criminal justice, corrections. I, I know a lot of people in law enforcement and criminal justice who are wonderful, but all it takes is a handful. And, and in this area... Where, where these terrible injustices are happening, it just sickens me. And I, I can't imagine what you could tell those kids. I I can't even put myself there. 
myself. I can't. Wow. Uh, Would you like to add anything? I'm sorry? Would you like to add anything? Sure. Um, Many of my students, I should say most of my students, um, they have all one way or another, they have, you know, dealt with the police, be it a family member in jail or something in their neighborhood. And when, when anything about the police comes up, it, they're, the views that they seem to have, you know, a lot of my children, is that it's they're just like anybody else. There doesn't seem to be that respect, you know, of a police officer. And um, it's, it's, I mean, about those two, these two cases specifically, personally, I have not had a child um, discuss this with me, but I'm sure in one class or another that it has been. And we handle, we, whenever a serious topic comes up, we try to handle it as sensitive, as appropriately as we can. And if children do not, if our children do not feel comfortable in talking to say if this is a serious situation, you know, at least come to us. And then from there, we can see what we can do to help them. But it's, it's awful what's going on. And, our kids already, they see too much, they know too much, and they probably have been watching things on the news. And it's, you know, kids earlier today, I mean, we were doing a, a turkey drawing, you know, a special little fun project where they can create their own turkey, and they created a turkey that was holding a gun and the baseball cap sideways. I mean, it's it was like nothing, and it's it's a matter of, trying to sorry I'm just trying to 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 get the to get the right words to be more than they can be and don't be afraid you know of everything around you do what you need to do do what's best for you do what's best for your family and for your friends you know and if you need to talk if you need to go somewhere or, or speak to someone at least we can be an avenue for them to do that but um you know thankfully you know we 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 haven't had we don't really have a vi- a violence problem um and it's 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 just really really a mess what's going on and so many different things and these children now as i said they know too much they see too much and how are they going to grow up how are they going to be you know, in society, seeing everything that they see as as children of what goes on, that they can't trust the police, they can't trust us, they can't trust that. You know, we have to build that up where people are doing what they're supposed to. They're supposed to be doing, you know, their jobs appropriately. Things cannot be done in secret. There has to be transparency. There has there has to be trust. Trust is important in just about every, I shouldn't say just about, in everything, there needs to be trust. And without that trust, there's damage and there's fear. And we have to build up on that. I mean, I mean, we got, we got, we got to think about, I mean, 
we got to understand the psychology of the young black male in American society. And we as educators, we need to really dive deep into this, and this needs to be a part of our professional development as well because we, we, we have uh, these young men growing up, growing up without that lack of trust, growing up with that fear, growing up with that anger, and growing up without that sense of security. So how can exactly. you ever be your best self if you are not growing up secure with who you are. I mean, there was a young man who got shot in the staircase in Brooklyn a couple nights ago, and the cops said it was an accident. Like, that was the justification. Like, it was an accident. Like, this was a rookie cop, 28 years old. He was patrolling the pink houses out in Canarsie, Brooklyn, and he pulled out his gun and shot the dude. Like, the, the guy didn't, and it wasn't a kid, I'm sorry, it was a man who's 28 years old. But he pulled out his gun shot him and killed him, and the explanation was it was an accident. And this is a father of two, um, had no weapon, was not committing a crime, and the guy's dead. And this is just so, and we're not only looking at the psychology of the young black male growing up and how as educators we need to pay attention to that and make that a part of our professional development, but we need to look at the psychology of the police department, which in my opinion is an extension of the, of the psychology of the United States and United States history. I mean, we we try to get past racism and move into a post-racial society, and that's fine. And in many ways, we have done that. But in many ways, the remnants uh, of, of racism are still there. The the unconscious uh, racism is still there, if you will. Um, and particularly in the police department. I mean, when you choose to become an officer in the NYPD in certain neighborhoods. What what mindset are you bringing to that work? I go back to the concept of mindset. And in terms of what I tell my students, I mean, first of all, I have a son who's 13. You know, he lives in Jersey with his mom, and it's a different environment there. Um, and his mindset is different because he's grown up in the suburbs. He's not from the city, and he hasn't experienced any blatant direct racism from anyone, you know, as of yet, knock on wood. I hope he doesn't, but if he does, I've always tried to, you know, uh, bring knowledge to him and, and empower him. Um, so that he understands how to how to deal with that. Um, but but for me, with my students, I mean, I'm always trying to oper- operate from a position of power and strength. So and and and, and being and being knowledgeable, um, right? So for me, it's about organizing. For me, it's about uplifting. For me, it's about taking responsibility and and putting boots on the on the ground and getting out in the street and making noise and being heard because. To me, I mean, I, I, I take a lot of um, inspiration from the civil rights movement. I even take a lot of inspiration from the American Revolution, if you want to go back that far. I mean, these people, the colonists, were uh, were fighting against injustice, right? The, the, the king of England was <laughs> levying uh, unfair taxes and what have you, and the colonists, what did they do? They fought back. They fought against it. They started a war, and they created their own country, which is funny because they're constantly telling uh, us, you know, and I, I'm saying us, meaning African Americans or whoever, to not be violent. And again, I'm not an advocate of violence. I don't want violence. But like the the colonists revolted and started a country. Civil rights movement. They marched and it was nonviolent and they changed laws and they got changes made. We need to do the same thing as well in this day and age. We need a new civil rights movement. And if we really organize and focus, I think over the next ten years we can make some drastic changes in this country. I'm glad, that you said, I'm glad that you said that because um, that's that's the that's the purpose of this show. Um, 
transformation. Uh, we're really about reform, not just in education, but but just in all aspects of life. And uh, I was grateful that uh, that Tammy uh, invited me to co-host uh, with her on the show. Um, you know, and, and when I connected with you all on on Twitter, you know, these past few weeks, um, I said this is exactly what we need because we don't have enough people who are are bold enough or who are willing uh, to to be vocal. Um, we 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 need a a movement. That was why I wrote my book from the heart of a teacher um, because it's all about a movement. Um, we need people who are are sick and tired of things being the way that they have always been. We uh, we need we need people who are willing to speak out. I, I hear teachers complaining all of the time. Well, guess where teachers are complaining in the teachers' lounge, where no one can hear them except other teachers who are complaining. But mm-hmm. no one goes to, no one goes to school board meetings. Um, you know if they are confronted by an administrator uh, who, you know, is asking them for for their opinion, for their suggestions, or if someone does something, it, it, let's say an administrator, superintendent, school board does something that they don't like, they will say, okay, smile and everything and go, on, go along with it and then get with their friends and then they're speaking out against them. It's like that's not helping you. That's not helping the school. That's not helping the children that come to your class expecting a, a quality education every day. It's not helping mm-hmm. anything. When you know that there is something that is wrong, even the Constitution gives us freedom of speech, and, and we're so afraid of retaliation. We have to get afraid. We have to get away from that. We have to get a, a, away from 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 just being afraid of everything. No one can fire you for. Uh, for for speaking your mind, no one can fire you for for uh, speaking up for what you believe in. As long as you do it tactfully, as long as you do it respectfully, and and believe it or not, companies, organizations, school systems, school districts, they are afraid to touch anyone because of lawsuits. But we don't know that. So instead of turning out at these at these meetings where we can have a voice. We just would rather, you know, sit back. Well, I got a family to think about. Well, I don't want to lose my job, but you won't lose your job. And I can tell you that from personal experience because everyone right here in Manassas, Virginia, where I teach, they know me. I was having a conversation with the uh, with, with the school board chairman, um, you know, a few weeks ago, and I told him exactly how I felt about everything that was going on. I told him how I felt, and and I did not. Hold back now. I can't repeat everything I said to him on the air, but I did not hold back. <laughs> Granted, I wasn't disrespectful about it, but I told him, you know, some of the things that we are required to do, and and hopefully we'll get into to some of these things as well before the end of the show. But some of the things that we are we are required to do are just flat out ridiculous. And I let him know that, and I told him, I said, I have kids who come in my room that are homeless. I have kids who come to my room that are, are are living with 15, 16, 20 other people in, you know, in a two-bedroom apartment, one bathroom. I said, please don't come. Please don't 
come in my classroom and tell me how to run my classroom or tell me to do something that doesn't make sense to anybody. It just sounds good or it looks good on paper. Don't do that to me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in the classroom. Don't tell me how this test data is going to tell you, it's going to tell people what my kids need or it's going to tell me what my kids need. I, I'm not totally against data, but I can tell you the best data I have ever received has been from interacting with my students on a daily basis. That's the best data I've ever received because I get Yeah, we, know, call that, we call that formative assessment, and that's what they use in Finland, and that's why they're crushing the entire world. But we use mm-hmm. formative assessment strategically and properly. We can get rid of these tests. But I'm sorry for interjecting, brother. Please go ahead. No, 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 no. You are you you are you are fine with me. Uh, uh, Tammy, Wendy, or Jackie, do you have anything? We're going to move on to testing. Um, um, if you all don't have anything else to add to. Uh, to right, this involved. is Tammy. I want to. I want to. This is Tammy. Um, I want to tell say this based on what you just said or, or kind of comment on what you just said, you you can do that because you have no loose ends left. You have no loose ends out there. And what I mean by that, most people, they won't say anything. They won't speak up because in most cases they know that they're not really doing what they should be doing. So that So there is a loophole somewhere where if I go in and speak on something, it's like if I go in a store and steal, I'm not going to, go out and tell on somebody else, you know what I'm saying, and, and know that they know this about me as well. So they can, they're okay. People are okay talking behind the scenes, particularly when they know they can't go out in the front because they're not so clean. And that's just my opinion. It may not be across the board, but people like you who really do their jobs, um, you can go out and say, because there's no, when you say they cannot fire you, they can make life hard for you, and in some cases, they could even find a way to fire you if you've not been do- keeping up and doing what you're supposed to do. But in your case, you may feel a little bit more free about it because, again, because you do what you're supposed to do. Now, I, I listened to Jamal, and I and it brings me back to uh, Mr. Sonier out of Louisiana, New Orleans. Schools, any any place is going to be a reflection of the head. Kids will do, I believe, most kids are willing. If they will, if we would just show up as adults and we will have expectations of them far beyond what they ever could imagine, I believe they will comply for the most, most of them. And so it's, it's an issue from the top, and when I say the top, we can go right to the government, down to those, the leaders of the, the principals of the schools, because, uh, Jamal, I'm sure that your your um, faculty, your students, are a result of, of your discipline, of what you give to them. They're giving that back to you because you are giving it out. And so, again, mm-hmm. we have to start addressing parents. We have to start addressing principals. We have to start addressing these, these city council, whomever. we got to go to the top. But those who are going, we got to be willing to endure and fight the fight. we got to be willing to give up some stuff, and people are just not willing to give up themselves at any cost. Parents are not. And so we have these kids looking at us as adults, as Christians, um, and everything else. They look at us. Kids think now that, that teachers 
want to see them fail. I hear that so often. It's like they're setting mm-hmm. us up for failure. So how mm-hmm. how is a kid going to go in a classroom and do something for you? Because they feel like you, you're the master here. I can't beat you. I can't win at this game. And so they're walking mm-hmm. into the classroom feeling like, I hear it, you guys, all the time. No matter what I do, I feel like they're setting us up for failure. That's what I hear. And so we're not going to get anything out of them. And they should not feel that way because we should be fighting to no end. We should be fighting to make sure that kids walk in that classroom with feeling like I have an opportunity to learn and the person that's before me wants me to learn. You know, so it's... It's bad. It's just we're we're in a bad place here, and if we don't all get it together, we're not going to be able to walk outside of our doors. Um, this is Minnie. Can I add to that? Absolutely. Go ahead and jump mm-hmm. in. Thanks. Basically, as I said, I'm, I'm with the Department of Ed for eight years. For seven of those years, I was silent because me not really following fully what's going on, I didn't see how horrible in general – Things were going, and last year, seeing all the problems that was going on to my school of what was going to happen, I was done with being silent because the way I think, and I'm still this way today, I can't depend on someone else to speak up for my school, to speak up for my kids, to speak up for all other schools and all other students. I have to make sure that my voice is heard, that our kids are protected. What's being done is being done, you know, because you can't, you can't depend that all oh, this politician is going to be doing it because look here in New, York, in New York with Governor Cuomo. I mean, that's a whole different story. But we have to stand together, parents, teachers, right. you know, community leaders, politicians that aren't in it for the money but for the right purposes. We need to stand united and fight back. And, I mean, I, I heard what you say, Rodney. Yes, there's lots of teachers. You know, I'm, I'm friends with tons of teachers across the United States and internationally, and we all have our gripes, and we all talk about things we see in our school and articles we've read, et cetera, et cetera. And that's great that we have an outlet to discuss this, but it, it can't just be an outlet of discussion. It has to be a movement. It has to be action. I mean, when when things were looking bad for my school, I was writing to reporters. I was contacting community leaders, anything that I could. And when we had our first press conference back in March, we had Hazel Duke speaking for us. We had um, Councilman Daniel Drum. We, we had uh, Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer. We got all these people involved to fight for us, and they're still in our corner. And since they helped us, I do what I can to help anyone who's helped us. You know, I'm going to be involved in the the lobby day in January up in Albany to to fight for um, school funding for the charter caps. I mean, it's it's I've taken on as much as I can because I cannot be silent. I cannot just sit by while our children are suffering. And I know I mentioned it before about teachers, you know, we're the we're the bottom of the education totem pole. We are told what to teach, when to teach, and here are the supplies possibly with what to do, you know, to do that with your students. And yet what's happening 
all too often everywhere, is that the teachers are being blamed, not the powers that be, not the people that are telling us what we need to teach. And then you have the testing, you have the common core, you know, you have all these different things, and it's like we just keep, it's like boom after boom after boom, you know, we are getting slammed, and we're doing what we can. In my school, we do have a lot of teachers that are relatively new. They're not tenured, so they're afraid to speak up or they don't understand what's going on. And I try to explain to the teachers as best as I can as to what's going on. But in my school, there's only a handful of us that are really, truly active and outspoken. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the other teachers don't care because we're family in our school. And I have never... I I can't say that we have a bad teacher, as they love to say, in my school. We love our students. We care about them. We're, we try to make our school the home away from home, and we fight for our kids. We fight if we need supplies or, or, or just saying with our autism population, if there's certain things that they need, we fight for it. We speak up. You know, we make parents aware your child is entitled to this, and we're going to help you get it. I mean, it's, I'm just, I find myself really angry a lot because I remember a long time ago, being a teacher was so well-respected. You know, oh, you're going to be a teacher. That's wonderful. That's amazing and everything. And now there's like a stigma to being a teacher. Is the stigma of education in general because, the general media believes what's being told to them by the media, and all too often the media is in the pockets of those people that are giving us those tests, forcing the common core, strangling our schools, and the general public doesn't understand that we are doing the best we can with what we have. And even as strangled as we are being in, in our situations, we're still there for our kids. I'm in school an hour and a half before I have to be, getting ready, thinking of what would be good, reaching out to children. I love all the students in my school. I mean, I cannot tell you how many of them sang happy birthday to me. I got birthday cards. I mean, we have wonderful, wonderful children. As I said, they come from, many come from sad situations. But at least in school, it's a safe place. It's a family place. And I will fight tooth and nail for them. And I will fight for tooth and nail for, for, for children in New York, across the states, everything. We have to be a voice. We, we, we need a strong movement. We, I mean, as uh, I went to a, a for public education forum last month, and Jitu Brown was saying we need to organize. You know, we need to be on the same page and organize, and when we do that, we can conquer anything. And I'm going, yes? I'm going to, uh, uh, really quickly, uh, I'm going to read something out of the chat room, and then I'm going to read something that was posted on Twitter, um, and then I'm going to say some, something, and then we have a caller that we're going to pull in as well. So uh, just bear with me. Uh, sure. From the chat, I'm sorry. No, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> She said, "Sure, Rodney." She she said, "Sure, you go ahead and go ahead with the chat room." Thank you. Okay. Uh, So it says, "Social emotional learning is paramount and must be taught before any real learning will be accomplished." 
It has to happen to pave the way to free the students to be ready to learn. Today's teachers instruct way beyond the content, and is that appreciated? So that came out of the chat room, and if you all want to ponder that and offer some thoughts in just a moment, that would be great. Um, and then I think this was in regards to what uh, uh, Jamal said earlier, and that is uh, we have to remember parents may be intimidated by school as well, so we must be respectful and welcoming. And then what I wanted to add uh, in regards to what we were just saying, um, you know, a lot of times we, we get upset with administrators, we get upset with uh, the Department of Ed, we get upset with the federal government, we get upset with Arnie Duncan, we get upset with all of these people, but we don't do anything or we don't do enough about it. So a, a lesson I learned a long time ago, and that is if you don't do anything, if you see something that is wrong going on and you don't do anything about it, you are just as guilty. Um, Absolutely. So if you all would just ponder those things for just a moment, we are going to bring in uh, we uh, a caller from area code 504. The last four digits are 7037. Caller, you are on the air with us. Hey, hey, what's going on, brother Rodney? This is uh, this is Trent Williams. Hey, what's going on, Trent? How you doing, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going, Tammy? Good, Trent. How are you? Good. Actually, I was actually responding to your Ferguson um, comment, so I, I don't think that my remarks at this time would actually um, go along with what you guys are doing here. Maybe you could bring me in a little later on uh, on that. I, I caught the conversation with the, uh, the young lady speaking on education, and we could actually go education and, and talk about that and the different changes that need to be ne- need to be made. But we still have to understand that we're dealing with an imperfect people. I don't care who's in the educational system. Policies are placed and put in place to dis- disenfranchise certain minorities, blacks and, and whoever. So, you know, and all that started with segregation. So I, I, don't, I don't think that my comments right now would actually work with uh, what you guys are doing here. What were you going to add about uh, Ferguson, if I may ask, uh, Trent? We, what we were discussing uh, when when uh, when the announcement was was made, we were discussing, um, you know, how how do you uh, what what do you say to um, you know a child um, after this? Uh, because we know that children are going to be affected. We know that young people are affected. So how do you deal with this? Uh, that was the discussion uh, before before we pulled you in. Well, well the conversation that I'll have with my daughters, um, I have two daughters, but I have to say, and I have to say this, and I apologize for uh, you know I apologize to Aunt to um, Rodney and to Tammy. But as a black man, I'm really pissed off. As a black, intelligent man, that my my uh, intelligence will be insulted at this level. I mean, come on, let's just be honest here. What do a black man, an intelligent black man, say to his kid? All right, this guy got away with murder. That was pure murder, period. So what do you say to your child at this point? That God's going to fix it? That God's going to fix this? 
we want to actually leave the elephant out of the room. Uh, we, w- we don't want to talk about the elephant in the room. Well, let's come on, man. This is injustice. This is injustice. And I'm very intelligent. Rodney, you've actually heard me. You, you, you've seen the books. And Tammy, you know me personally. I mean, come on. Let's just be honest here. That's injustice. So no one's going to be responsible for the murder of this child. Right? Okay, he was 230 pounds. But come on, let's just be honest here. Eight shots into an into a unarmed man? Period. Come on, that's injustice. So what am I supposed to say to my daughters? What am I supposed to say to these young men who actually I spoke on Thursday at an event? Make sure you put your hands up and, yes, sir, Mr. Officer, and all this other bullshit. That's not... That, Come on, man. That's not justice. That's a lynching. So what am I supposed to say? I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what I'm going to say at the next event when I'm speaking to these youth, these young men who are on actually right path, the the, the, the proper path, and they're being disenfranchised by education along with being murdered in the streets. What am I supposed to say? Keep on getting your education. Keep giving it. Keep getting education. Keep getting that education at the policies that they're pushing. As far as politicians, come on, man. What am I supposed to say as a black man? I'm looking for an answer. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm looking for an answer right now. What am I supposed to say to these kids? My next event is in a couple of days here. So what am I supposed to say? It's interesting that you that, that you mentioned. Um, Injustice. Um, one of the reasons why um, all of us on the line um, are such advocates for uh, for equality uh, for our young people for education, um, and I think that you know a lot of times when, when people think of education, uh, you know, math, science, social studies, and English come to mind or we think about school, but education ha- has such a broad meaning. Um, yeah. it, should be, it should be about learning, and I tell my students all the time that I'm more concerned about their well-being, about what they are going to do when they leave my, my classrooms. What, what are you going to do after 3 o'clock? What are you going to do on the weekends? What are you going to do over the summer? What are you going to do 10 years from now? And... Not just, you know, what happened with, with, with Ferguson um, or, or George uh, Zimmerman or Trayvon Martin or, or any of those cases, but how does injustice or on? I'm going to go back to Jackie, uh, Miss Jackie, real quick, uh, because mm-hmm. I, could just, I could just hear the, 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 the passion in your voice as a mother, um, and I was trying to re- uh Trying to catch the first part of what you said because um, I, it, it was fading in and out. And if you can recall and, and repeat it, that would be great for me. Um, but I do hear the last part clearly, and that was when you said, you know, there are things that, you know, um, having Caucasian children, there are things that you can tell them, but, you know, that yeah. uh, you're afraid that other parents can't have those those conversations. It's How my privilege. I have that. Um, I have that privilege because of my skin, 
I know it. Um, and because of where I live, I have the privilege of being able to, on most occasions, trust people in uniform. And my, I can tell my kids that, and I can trust that, and I can feel good about that. I'm not scared about that. It, they're my partners. And what we need to do is we need to grieve over this. Get Be, be angry. You're allowed to be angry. I Shoot, I'm angry, and I'm sitting here in Minnesota. You know, you need to process through that grief, that anger, that hurt, and hopefully people can then take that and just use that ball of fire and move forward and, and be the change. Be those people who get involved and start saying, you know what, we need to start making laws that work better for everyone, and we need to stand up to the people who are buying our votes and selling out our people and selling out our, our neighborhoods. We need to stand up. Unite, become one voice, and make a difference that actually changes outcomes for people. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good on paper, and I totally respect what you're saying here. It totally sounds good on paper. But when we talk about uh, uh, politicians placing policies in place and, 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 it, and you know, this and the third or whatever, but I mean, come on, let's just be honest here. This is an imperfect world, period. So it doesn't matter how much we lobby. It doesn't matter. I mean, we see that daily in our daily walk. So I think I heard you say something about trust the the, the, the people in blue. Or what did you say? I, I don't want to misquote you. About what? You, you said she something was about saying, trust. She, she was saying that she's able to trust because of where she lives and the color of her skin, that she's able to tell her children um, to tr- basically that they can trust the police and to go find the police, but yeah. she's she's the other people don't cannot do that. Um, yeah, well, she's aware off, of I, that. Yeah, but I, I lived off the seventh hole of the golf course um, in a prominent neighborhood, so I still had those reservations about my car being pulled over, about my Porsche being pulled over because I'm a black man. How do you help me with that? Right, and that's what I she can't. was saying that she. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what she was saying. I agree with you. I have that. Okay. It's called white okay. privilege, yeah, and I, I just, have it. Yeah, can I jump in if that's okay? Go ahead, Jamal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it, it, it's a pervasive sense of hopelessness, I think, that continues to engulf our com- our communities, our people, um, our spirit. And it's because, again, on and on and on, it's like when you mentioned Trayvon Martin, it's like weird. I, like, almost forgot about that. And that was, like, just last year, and that was a huge case, and that was a huge story. And the, the, the gentleman was indicted and found not guilty. And, again, every time you replay that that situation in your mind from a common-sense perspective, it's like, damn, the cop on the phone – or told you not to follow him they told you don't follow like leave him alone we got it and you follow them anyway there was a recent killing of a 12 year old i think it was also here in new york apparently he had like a fake gun on him and he was playing around with it in the street and during the 911 call the, the the dispatcher asked is the kid black or white there's a report that he asked this multiple times is the kid black or white so in many in many instances you know, black men in America, we feel like we under attack. 
I mean, I'm a victim of police brutality. I had I had the police beat me up when I was a kid. I have many friends I grew up with who are doing 20, 25 years in prison. Uh, many friends who who have been shot and killed. I had a friend who was shot and killed a couple weeks ago. It's like black men being shot and killed is like normal in America, and it's like something that we all live with. And if you're a black man, like you know, like. Nine times out of ten, you know someone who was shot and killed or you know someone that went to prison or you yourself may have had some kind of crazy running with the police. I mean, it's psychotic, and it can overwhelm you, and and, and it's a monster that we're all dealing with. This is a monster. This is heavy. That's why I think through, through organization, through intelligent organization, and through a relentless, obsessive pursuit of justice, I mean, again, I get I get motivated and empowered by by King, by Gandhi, by X, by Fred Hampton, by going back Harriet Tubman, by again even the founding fathers. They man they weren't black men, but you know what they they didn't want to they fought against injustice. They were being oppressed. They fought against it. They started their own country. So my motivation it, it, it comes from all of that. It comes from the kids I serve every day. And it just comes from this belief, man, that I just think if we organize and mobilize and, again, relentless obsession with it, I mean, day in and day out, connecting regionally, locally, doing what we need to do. I mean, based on this conversation, I'm ready to, like, stand on my kids outside of school tomorrow, not even let them in the building and do our own little mini protest right there on Steenwick Avenue in the Bronx until the media comes and asks us why we out there. Like go do it, Jamal. Go do it. Yeah. Of my school, because you know what? Like enough is enough, and our voices need to be heard from every corner. Now that we have social media, like they gotta hear us. We just need to yeah. organize around it, man. That's just how. And, it and I, I have to say this, Rodney, and I'll get off the line because I'm a little bit emotional here, and you guys know me for being a motivational speaker and and and, and uh, presenting positivity across the country. Um, I appreciate the brother out of New York. Who actually come in and actually come to my come to my aid because I'm actually a little little bit emotional here. Um, I have a problem mm-hmm. with this. I have a I have a serious problem with this, and I don't think I could speak on this topic right now. And I talked about how, you know, after murder you want to speak kumbaya. I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Someone's someone's died. God's gonna be the God's gonna be the ultimate judge here. But what happens until then? So I'm, I'm going to actually just continue to listen to you guys. It's a great show here. Uh, I appreciate the brother from, from New York coming in and saving me and uh, helping me not embarrass myself here. But I'm a little bit emotional here tonight. Hey, man, totally understand, brother. Totally understand, man. It's all good. All love, man. It's all rooted in love, what we do. No doubt, brother. Thanks for calling in, Trent. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch, man. And uh, don't ever lose hope, man. I, even when it gets hard, man. Um, any any um, any other comments right now? I know that we haven't necessarily stuck to the script, but. Uh, when it comes to radio, um, I guess, or or TV too, I don't have a whole lot of experience with TV, uh, but that but that tends to happen. And um, um, I think as educators, I think as as parents, uh, for those of you who are parents, 
Um, when, when you start talking about children and things that impact children, I think people do get emotional. Um, and, and the passion that, that lies within people um, starts to come out. We, we had no idea that, that this verdict was going to come down, but I think that it is uh, on, on tonight when we were doing the show. Um, but I think that there's something to learn um, from this, um, you know, and, you know, because we have people on the on the line who are not black. We, you know, we have, we have guests who are not black. Uh, we have we have guests who are black. Um, but regardless of your skin color, um, if you care about people, if you care about the future, the futures and the well-being uh, of our kids, regardless of where they live, regardless of where they come from regardless of what color they are, then it is it, it eventually becomes too hard for you to sit back. It becomes too difficult for you um, to keep taking it all in. Um, I know for me, and I'll say this, I know that we said that we were going to jump to testing and some other things, but we may, not, we may or may not get to them. But when I think about cases like like this one, um, I think about not only the the color of the police officer or the color of, of the young man who lost his life, but I think about the fact that one, this is another young person that we've lost. I think about the fact that this is this is murder. Um, uh, there was a killing that took place. Um, I think about the parents who now um, have lost their child. I, I know when I was growing up, you know, I, you know, we were always told that, you know, you should outlive your parents. Um, it's a hard thing for 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 parents to to bury their their children. Um, so when we start to think about those things, um, I think it becomes a lot more harder to deal with, and it challenges us, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, I think about the fact that if Michael Brown had been murdered by um, another black another black person, most of America probably wouldn't know who he is. They, they are, and, and I know we have, we have uh, a few guests on from New York City. There are a lot of black people who are killed all the time. Um, but America doesn't know who they are. We look at places like Chicago where they're killing all the time, but we don't know who these people are. It seems that we only know who they are when there's, you know, a, a, a white person um, killing a black person. But for me... Hey, can I can I mention something really quick? This is Jackie. And, absolutely, um, Jackie. Uh, and I just want to pause there because I, I have to say that it... We don't want to. We want to watch for equivalency here because it, folks who are in positions of authority that you're supposed to be able to trust. That's that's a very different situation. No matter what color you are, if you are in a position of authority over people and you are a community service officer in this case, 
you are always held to a higher standard. You are the one who is trained and able to control yourself and control the situation. That's why you go to school. That's why you pass your post or whatever you pass to get in that line of duty. You are the person who's supposed to be able to handle a firearm. You are the person who is supposed to be able to handle the situation with respect, with honor, and when you don't, you have failed. Whoever that person is on the other end, if you are letting your personal issues and personal feelings that you have yet to resolve in your life impact the justice that you deal out to the citizens you are supposed to protect. That, so that is true. it doesn't matter what color you are. Yeah, you're I mean, a position of sword. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, no, it's definitely a higher standard um, when we're talking about personal position of authority. There always is, especially, again, when, you, when your job description, part of it is, is to protect and serve. Um, I, I do, you know, agree with your point about, about black-on-black violence. Um, you know, that that's something that I deplore as well. Um, and something that I want to organize and, and fight against as well, um, because that 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 is that is heartbreaking and, and, and deplorable on a whole nother level. Um, and if I and if I may just bring it back to the kids and our work uh, really quickly, there, there's a great book. Um, I don't know if anyone's had a chance to read it. Um, came out I think last year. Um, How Children Succeed by Paul Tuff. Um, it's a book that I picked up and read last year, How Children Succeed by Paul Tuff. And it, it just goes into, it talks about uh, children of poverty um, and, and the trauma that's associated with poverty um, and how that impacts learning. Um, and they, and they, 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 they talked about this phrase, something called the executive functions um, and, and where they exist within the brain and how that impacts not only learning but impulse control um, higher-order thinking skills, and a variety of not only cognitive um, impulses, but also uh, the emotional impulses that go with that. Um, Research-based, a lot of good data there. Um, and it just speaks to um, the importance of us um, meeting um, our, our kids and our communities where they are in terms of um, going into the communities and supporting parents uh, with their needs around parenting of not only young black men but of all children. Um, but also um, supporting children before they even get to kindergarten, right? So we're talking pre-K, um, we're talking daycare, right? So you know, once a once a once a mother conceives, in my opinion, or, or you know, she is now there needs to be supports there and services there and interventions there to make sure that child is nurtured um, accordingly. So that when they when they go to school they're able to function and when they enter society uh, they're much more likely uh, to be successful. So to me this is all you know all these conversations we we talk about urbanization we can talk about redlining talk about American history racism talk about all of that. Um, and to me the schools uh, we're just in a prime position working with kids every day to make some dramatic change if we implement the right research and the right strategies and. And, and, and the right literature, and, and of course, come together and collaborate around it. So, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to make that point that you know they are in a position of high authority, so they are held to a higher standard. I'm with you on the black on black crime piece, 
But we need to, again, implement the resources necessary to meet our kids where they are and our families where they are so that we can, again, a generation from now, you know, through this new movement that we're going to begin, you know, make sure that 20 years from now we're having much different conversations about our kids in our country. I I agree. This is Tammy. Um, And whatever it is that we begin, wherever you you are going to start, um, be consistent. Because our kids, even with the situation, our, our children... If if I were sixteen, um, a teenager, youth now, I would I would sit back and 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 just say, watch, they will they will they will be over this in a minute, and we'll go back to life as usual. Um, that's how I would feel. So even with this situation, for those who truly believe and you're broken by it, then you take the responsibility and don't let this simmer, don't let this die because the system. They are sitting back doing the same thing as I think the youth are as well. They will be okay shortly, and and things will go back, and before long we'll have another two or three kids that this will happen to. We ha- we, we must be proactive and continue Absolutely. to be and stop reacting to things. That's just become the way of life. We react, we get over it, we go back to life as we know it, whatever that life is. And... I, I did look up the book, um, How Children Succeed. It's called Tough, T-O-U-G-H, yes. if someone is, is interested in in um, getting it. Um, I also want to recommend a class that I'm in now. It's basically about mm-hmm. understanding the mindset of poverty, generational poverty, how, how parents um, view life. It will help you understand why some of the some parents make the decisions, or, or anyone make the decisions they make when they're living um, that mindset of poverty, whether it be generational poverty. It has helped me understand so much more. Some things I agree with, some things I disagree with, but that's in everything. But it's called Getting Ahead in a Just Getting By World, um, and it talks about, again, poverty. So if you can actually take this class. You can actually learn to be a facilitator. Um, and teach this class to people, and it again, it just meets people where they are, and say, okay, let's come up with a solution to change your mindset, so that you can mm-hmm. see life different. You can visualize what we are standing before you, saying you can have. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, it's it's reachable all day. But if you think it's not for you, that I can't, this is not for my life. I don't come from this. No one in my family has ever had this. We don't do this. And we have a lot of kids in school today who feel that way. They're not going to give you their best because they already have their their life mapped out. So. Mm. Rodney, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm I'm just uh, taking it all in. I I think that uh, I I do want to acknowledge our guests, um, again, uh, just pause and, and do that because this has been very helpful, uh, very insightful. Um, if you uh, joined us late, please know that you can always go back and listen to the archive show. Um, just click on the link uh, on uh, Blog Talk Radio backslash Butterfly Evolution, uh, Let Teachers Teach, um, and you can access uh, this show. Um, I want to ask you all, we, we we've seen certain things um, 
repeated over time and you know and clearly you know this situation um you know this is not the first time that this has happened but certain things have to be taught and as educators as advocates um in the midst of a a failing educational system overall nationwide what has to be done? I know we keep saying that there needs to be a movement, but let's let let's be specific. What are some things um, that we can do? And I um, I did get a chance um, to pull up uh, Casa Middle School uh, last week, where uh, Jamal uh, Bowman, uh, one of our guests, is the uh, the principal of that school. Um, I actually saw their um, uh, their video, um, you know. Um, the Ferguson uh, uh, demonstration, and I would encourage you all uh, to go onto YouTube and check out that video. Um, it is a very powerful video. I enjoy watching it, and I would uh, encourage you all to do the same. And there's some other videos that they have as well um, on YouTube. And uh, Jamal, if you want to talk about that, that would be great as well. Um, but what is it going to take? Specifically, for our children to change what's gone on in America from from the beginning of America until now, or you know, even if we want to just deal with the last fifty years, what is it going to take for a a a necessary change to take place um, here in America, starting with our children? What can we do now specifically? you know, when we say a movement, what does that movement look like? When we say getting parents involved, what does it look like? Uh, when we talk about education, what can we do to make sure that when we do leave or as we continue to get older, our society becomes a better society? And it becomes a society where everyone is okay uh, to trust the men in blue or everyone or every child wants to go to school. I know, um, like Trent said, that, you know, yeah, it is an an imperfect world, but what can we do to make things better? Because even in an imperfect world, there can be improvement. What needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, I I think if I I could jump in quickly, um, I think we need to get the curriculum right um, in terms of the content. Uh, pedagogy and the assessments that are a part of that. Um, our kids need to learn about their history, their culture, and be empowered through that. Um, quite often, I mean, maybe all the time, our kids go through the school system without gaining any knowledge of self. Um, they learn about European history. They learn about how black and brown people were conquered uh, through imperialism and colonialism all over the world, and they don't learn about, um, you know, empires in Africa. They don't learn about Kush. They don't learn about Timbuktu. They don't learn about any of that. Um, they think their history started with slavery. Um, they came into this earth, and they were slaves initially, and um, and then everything kind of spawned from there. So, you know, I think we need to get the curriculum right um, in terms of content um, so that our kids can be empowered through that um, beginning at a young age. Um, I, I think that's one thing that definitely needs to take place right now. Okay. Um, this is Mindy. One thing that I 
fully believe in is just be relentless with the truth. Get it out there, be it social media, contacting the media directly, speaking to reporters, speaking to the parents, the community, anybody. We need to get, you know, keep getting the truth out because it's going to catch on. And, you know, in some cases it, it has um, with different things. But we have to speak up. We have to be extremely vocal. And we need to have a continual presence in this fight. I mean, it's all well and good to say we're against this, we're for that. But we have to speak out for it. You know, it's plain and simple, relentless with the truth. Okay. Miss Jackie? Yeah, I... You know, and if I, I'm going to take it back to the standardized testing because um, we need to make things less punitive and more about supporting people and making progress. Too often, uh, for example, and I'm just taking it back to standardized testing because that's the passion about uh, something we can actually do, uh, make change now about um it, it seems very punitive for teachers, for students, for for schools, for neighborhoods, for for states, for our whole country, and it's supposed to be serving a primary purpose, just like any kind of education purpose. But these assessments are supposed to improve student learning. That's what our purpose is, right? It's not to flunk kids or or punish teachers in schools uh, and say, hey, it's your fault, it's your fault. It's supposed to improve student learning. And if an assessment isn't doing that, if if it's not doing that as its primary purpose, then we need to question it. We need to stand up and, again, shout from the rooftop, stand up and say, hey, this is not okay. It's supposed to improve student learning. What about this assessment is improving student learning? How much is it costing? Why is it costing so much? Who's making the money off of it? Um, Yes, assessments serve other purposes, Community members want to see data, and they want to they want to know effectiveness of different programs. Yes, but if we're going to be um, once again assessing people and assessing programs, we got to make sure it's not about being punitive. I did want to mention that during our discussion. Okay, um, I'm a firm believer that that when people know better, they do better, and it's you know with the with the testing that goes on in schools I, I am not opposed to testing what i am opposed to is testing that uh one testing taking up valuable instructional time i think i think testing 50% of the school year is way too much because how are you really using that data how is that data, and I'm so glad that you made it, that you made those points. Testing is supposed to improve education because you should be able to look at the data and say, okay, these kids, uh, these students need this, or, you know, teachers can look at it. I know one of the things that I do, I'm a very self-reflective person, and so, um, well, my children don't do well on Anything, classwork, homework, uh, quizzes, tests, it doesn't matter. I look at how I failed them, not how they failed the 
the the assessment. And so then from there, I go back and and try to um, regroup and figure out ways that I can help them be more successful, um, you know, in the future. And I just see testing as being one of the things that is taking education out of school. And so with that, our our children are growing up and they're not as proficient in reading anymore. They're not as proficient in math. I mean, according to the nation's report card a couple of years ago, uh, so only 26% of our high school seniors were on grade level in math across the country and only 38% in reading. And so when you when you continuously send out into the world or, you know, to, into the workforce or to college uh, a group of young people who just aren't prepared, well, you know, while we may want to cut kids some slack from time to time, we have to understand that eventually children become adults. And ignorance takes a lot out of society. So when we send children out into the out into the to the workforce or to college, to military, and they're unprepared, they don't have that knowledge. It doesn't matter what they do in society, it's gonna be hard for them to function. And I think that's where, you know, these issues with 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 with, with adults, you know, e- even police officers who are taking the lives of of people these are not things that that just started when they were adults. They 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 developed this mindset over a period of time, and it started from somewhere. So I think that education is very valuable. And again, I'll say it: when people know when people know better, they they tend to do better. Or or at least, you know, with education comes some accountability and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, God, I, I this is I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mindy. I'm sorry. I just wanted to just to add something to what Jamal was saying um, with, you know, our students and with the testing. Um, like I said, my school is all special needs, and the population that takes those standardized tests are the emotionally disturbed, learning disabled, and they do have different various psychiatric issues. We work hard with them to, you know, to get them to where they can take the test. But those tests for our kids are inappropriate. They're not developmentally, they're not de- developmentally appropriate, bottom line. And when it comes to test taking this past year, I, was, I went home and I cried, you know, because our kids, you know, they wanted so, so badly to do well. They wanted to make their teachers proud. They wanted to make their families proud. But it's just too hard. And one kid in particular said, I feel like a failure. And that broke my heart. You know, and I said to him, I said, I love you. You are doing the best that you can. That means more to me than the test score. You know, and it's it's not just them. It's it's our students that are being forced to take those tests. It's demoralizing to them. It puts it pushes them back, and we're forced to give that to these to them, these tests to them. And after the ELA test and after the math test, our school was chosen to be a field test. So, and we we had 
we just it was just an awful situation in our school because the children were breaking down. They were emotional. They it, it's awful, you know. And I I know I did and as well as other teachers, we try to reinforce we love them. We want them to do the best they can and if they don't get this, you know, the high score that they, you know, that I guess is overall expected of them, we don't care. We love them and we know they're doing the best they can. You know, I'm a heavy believer, and this was mentioned earlier, about social, about social emotional education being involved in everything. I touch base with all of my kids when I enter the classroom to make sure they're okay before I even start a lesson. And when it was testing time, I told them right before they took the signs, the fourth grade science test, you guys could do the best you can. That's what means the most to me. I believe in you. I believe you're going to try your best. And there, there has to be that understanding, that belief, that love, and to know that that there's a connection that we care. I mean, I know it's months away, but I'm not looking forward to testing again. We have a new, you know, group of kids that are going to be taking the test, and it's going to be that same heartbreaking tale of them saying how they feel you like should, failures. You should opt your kids out. You should opt your kids out. You should you should speak to the parents about opting their kids out. It's funny we have we have a. I'm sorry, Mindy. Oh no, it's okay. Finish your point. Finish your point. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I was just going to say that there's there's almost a mass movement uh, in New York and nationally around um, opting kids out of uh, exams, and this movement is mostly coming from uh, you know middle class, upper middle class uh, families. You know, they they're you know they're against it. You know, development developmentally inappropriate and everything you just mentioned. So if they can you know choose to opt out, then then parents of but poor children can opt out as well, and, and we haven't been a part of that conversation nearly as enough as we sh- enough as we should. Um, and also, parents with special needs uh, children can opt out. Um, you know, we, if we believe in the multiple multiple intelligences, and we know, uh, I believe Daniel Goleman's work around um, SQ and EQ being as important as IQ or more important, then we know there are multiple ways to assess students. Um, so. You know, this new testing regime and the overindulgence, I think that's the problem for me is the overindulgence in the testing um, and, the, and, the, and the money that's invested. I think that's that's the big deal there. Um, you, you should you should opt your kids out, man. I think uh, I think that, that's an option to explore, the opt-out and, option. And I'm absolutely behind that. But with me, mm-hmm. like when I take – when I, my kids, I take the science test. It's about ten kids. You know, the majority of the rest are either taking the ELA or the math. The problem is, is that, you know, I fully believe in opt-out, and I would be happy to talk to the parents with that. But the teachers that are giving the math and ELA, they're afraid to speak out. And they're the ones that need to inform the parents about those tests that they're giving. So it's yeah. it's – it's a tug of war. It's it's a difficult situation because the teachers are afraid because of their jobs, and a lot of the parents they may not have understood last April about this. But all that's been going on in the months since, you know, and I'll be happy to provide any information. Uh, they're they they need to know that they do have that option. It's unfair mm-hmm. that the kids should be put through that. Yeah, well, maybe you could contact me. You know, you could DM me via Twitter. You know, after the conversation, we could talk about ways to 
inform those parents because I think I think it's important for parents to be well informed um, so they can make well informed uh, decisions. Uh, Rodney, I had a point I wanted to make regarding um, just you, you mentioned our kids becoming adults and you know we want to make sure they're functioning in society. I just wanted to touch on that point. Uh, Absolutely. No, it's just I think it's important to look at the contrast um, between the culture of private school and the culture of public school. And, and I just think when I look at education as a whole, I, I, I often go to PDs with private school education educators. I visit private schools, um, and, I, and I can't help but think of, you know, the mindset of private school educators versus public school educators. And this is obviously I make a generalization here, I don't mean all public school educators, but what I see is in a private school, it's like they know and believe that they're teaching the future world leaders, whereas we are just trying to help our kids make it through the day or make it through the unit or or just make it to graduation. Or I mean, the, the expectations from what I see, you know, is just almost night and day. And I'm talking about some teachers that I work with that I've hired you know, throughout my career um, have, you know, the expectation piece is sometimes not always there. And, and I think, you know, we go back to mindset again, um, and, and you mentioned it's not always about race and color. You're right, it's not. I mean, you could be of African-American descent and have low expectations for African-American children uh, based on a variety of things, right? So, you know, we all grew up in this country. We all are influenced by the media and the books we read and the people we come across, and that impacts how we think about the world. So I just I, I just want to point out that contrast, right? We need to go into public schools and believe that we're training the future world leaders as well, as I see in the private schools. Um, I, I, ironically, you know, it's not much different than again. I'm going I'm going all the way back to, you know, the you know the Continental Convention, right? Only white men, only white property owning men were allowed to be at the convention to sign a docket to the Constitution. And basically they got control of the country at that point and built systems to keep everyone else subjugated, and you still see that now from women to immigrants to African Americans. So that contrast is still there. The private school folks going to be CEOs and, and what have you, and, and our people, you know, the, the public school folks, work for them. And, and I, I think that needs to be a, a, a paradigm shift and a mindset shift you know, when we look at education as a whole. Okay. Ms. Jackie or Sammy, did you want to jump in here? Well, I'm just listening and in agreeing, and this is Jackie, and I, I think all these points being made tonight are just uh, they're great points, and I think that's the most important thing to do is listen to all the voices and what people have to say and, and uh, then move from there. Mm-hmm. This this is Tammy Rodney. I want to encourage, especially well, parents, especially parents. Um, parents, you can make a difference, and I, I challenge teachers who are listening, principals who are listening. We have to make an inviting place. I posed the question out uh, earlier during the show for parents, but I didn't get an answer back. Um, I know when in North Carolina, this, in working. And one of my my fondest moments was reaching out to parents, um, asking for help, even re- reaching out 
to uh, businesses and asking for help. And people were so willing to help, even the parents. They were just so willing and so surprised that anyone thought that it was something that they could give. So I challenge teachers, um, schools, make it inviting. Ask those parents, hey, look, we need something. Can you can you come out? Because that child seeing the parent in the school in any capacity, they, they, their lives light up. For just a moment, mm-hmm. they see that my my mom, my dad, even if it's grandma, grandma come out and run some things off, run a few errands, you, it makes such a difference. But I want to challenge parents. Once doing that, then you go. Everybody is sitting, I think, just assuming that everything, um, you have what you need or there's nothing I can do. So invite people. Invite people in and invite yourself out to people. Um and let's just all work together. I do have a question, and maybe all of you can, can help me on this. Where do you send parents who, who are looking for information? I know you were, uh, Jamal, talking about maybe having those kids opt out, um, having the, you know, talking to the parents about having that. Where would parents who, who just don't know um, the information that they need to know in order to help their children, uh, where do they go? Where do, where do they seek help? where they're going to get the information that they really need to get. They're not going to get it sugar-coated. They're going to get it just like it is. Where can, can a parent go? I say the butterfly evolution show. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, seriously, I, I, I'll, I'll let uh, Miss Jackie, uh, Mindy, and uh, uh, I'll answer that first, and then, and then, I'll, uh, and then I'll speak on it. Uh, you, you three, go ahead. Um, this is Jackie. I'll, I'll chime in. Um, where do parents go? We go to each other. We go to each other, and if we can't get the results we need and we can't get the information we need, we start reading and getting involved with strange little social media things called Twitter and Facebook, and we start reaching out and reading and looking at the law and listening to politicians and finding out who's uh, working for who and who's getting paid by who, and we just get involved, and and it usually turns into a big old uh, snowball that starts rolling down the hill, and then you've got all this information, and you're the parent that people are coming to. So you stay connected with other people in your community is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. This is Mindy. Um since all of our children have IEPs, there's always IEP meetings where there's an education team, including the psychologist, where our parents can talk to to try to get advice, services, anything you know they can for their children. Our children have counselors, and now, as I said, that we're we're new to being a community um, learning school, we're going to have even more services and more things for parents to be involved in and to continue their connection to the school and connections with each other. So, I mean, as you were saying, Jackie, I mean, it's it's they have someone else to turn to, to talk to, to get support, even ask advice from, because one parent may know something and another parent may not. And it's, you know, every everyone has has to have an open communication. I mean, there are times parents have asked me for things, and I've gone home and I'll look it up and I'll research it to see where they can possibly go, do, or read or anything, and I'm happy to do that for them. And I think we all need to be like that, to be able to take that moment and, and be able to, 
take that extra mile or extra step or whatever you, you want to call it to help parents, to help the children. And it's, we have to do this. Parents need to be informed. And as Jamal was saying, I mean, the more, the more they know, the better the results in anything. Yeah, I think uh, generally speaking, you know, schools just have to consistently communicate with parents, whether that be teacher, parent coordinator, or administration. Um, if you're in New York and you're interested in learning about testing specifically mm-hmm. uh, and opting out, there's a uh, website. Um, it's changethestakes.wordpress.com. Uh, that's changethestakes.wordpress.com. Uh, it's a website with a lot of information um, on uh, testing and, and opting your child out. Um, and anyone listening, any parent or anyone who, who you know, works with parents, anyone listening now, I mean, you can tweet me, um, Jamal A. Bowman, um, hashtag, excuse me, at Jamal A. Bowman on Twitter. Um, you can reach me there. And any information I have regarding anything, I'll definitely share um, um, with parents. But I think, you know, parents are great resources to other parents. Um, I think social media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, uh, Pinterest are, are great resources. Um, but I think um, if you're not really big on social media, definitely go into the school and asking questions, I think, is a is a great, great place to start with that. Okay. Great. This is Rodney, and um, uh, first I would like to encourage anyone who is listening to uh, – to uh, read my book, From the Heart of a Teacher, and to also read my, my first book, Tired of Being Black. Um, and, and with my book, Tired of Being Black, don't don't think about the title and say, oh, no, nah, I don't want to read this one. What does he want to be if he doesn't want to be black? You have to open the book and you have to read the book. And it discusses the things that I think that we all can agree on. Um, and, and I was talking to a, a colleague the other day, and she said, uh, the reason why I like both of your books is because they're common sense, but as we all know, common sense just isn't so common anymore. And she said, I like the way you just lay things out and you're so logical about them. Um, so, again, I would like to encourage you to read both of my books, Child of Being Black and From the Heart of a Teacher. And also I will say this, um, it is important for all of us to make sure that we are getting the word out. So when we say uh, so when we ask the question, who can parents go to for information, let's be those people and encourage, um, you know, our, our, our family members, our friends, our colleagues, let's encourage them to be those people. I was talking to uh, some parents last week during a conference, and uh, the parents started asking me questions. Well, I started answering the questions, and I'm going to be honest with you, that that's, that's all I know how to do. And so um, one of the teachers on my team was was getting a little worried. She was like, will you just be quiet? No, I'm not going to sit in and lie to these people. Uh, I understand where she was going with it. Uh, you know, I think she was worried about, you know, uh, me getting in some type of trouble. But uh, the situation that we were dealing with was very severe, and I know how things just get swept under the rug. I know how parents are lied to. Um, and so I was not about to let that uh, be the case because, again, if you know that something is wrong and you don't do anything about it, you're just as guilty. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I am not on 
any one side unless you are on the right side. That 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 is the side that I'm on. And I think for parents, I think that if you are a parent, you have to first, I would say, reach out to your child. Hey, hey, hey Rod, Rodney, excuse me for just a minute, but we're going to lose our people online. For those of you who are listening, if you want to call in at 818-691-7406, again, 818-691-7406. We can keep those on who are listening by phone, but we're going to lose you who are, if you're listening online. So you want to continue to listen, please do call in now. Sorry, Rodney, but I wanted to get that in before we lost them. Oh no, you're fine. I, I, I always, I always forget that part. Um, <laughs> but, but I will say, if you are a parent, um, I would say, if it's about education, start with your child's teacher. Uh, talk, talk to any teacher that you know. But, but, but start with the teachers, um, especially if that trust is there. See what you can get from the teachers. Do like Miss Jackie said, and get as much as you can from other parents. Parents have to have to communicate with each other. Uh, talk to your children, um, because if you're not asking your children about homework or, or, or their behavior in school, if they are, you know, known to have discipline issues, your children are going to be honest with you. So ask your children, and then with with technology, you can find just about anything you want to know on the internet. So. Um, you know, go to those things, uh, go to those websites, um, and find out when your 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 uh, school board meetings are. Find out when there are education summits. Find out when there are forms. Anything that you can do to stay connected, and and once you start connecting with people, um, do everything that you can uh, to keep that dialogue going. Uh, send them a text from time to time, from time to time, just to say, hey, I just wanted to check in. You know, uh, make sure that you keep that communication line uh, open uh, so that you are always in the loop. And I will add this, and, and then I'll turn it back over to you, Tammy. Um, don't listen, Don't always listen to what you what you hear um, on the radio or what you see on TV or what you read in the newspaper. Um, I posted uh, an article that I found on um, uh, last week. I forgot what what the news source was, but basically uh, it was saying that most of the people who are on, you know, these these networks um, have never been an educator. In fact, don't really know much about what's going on in education. So while you may see people on TV or hear them on the radio, read their, read their, their news articles, they may may not have a clue about what's going on in our schools. So don't always trust the media because the media is going to tell you what they want you to know, but get down and talk to the people who don't mind speaking out. Uh, Tammy, back to you. Um, I guess I, I've kind of said everything. It's been a great show. I, I, I wish we had more time. I'd, I'd like to invite each of you back because I, I feel like there's so much more to say and there was so many things said and my head is really spending spending right now. So I just thank you all for, for doing what you do to make a difference in the lives of our children. Um, and I say our children because I believe that they all are our kids. Um, my son is 26, and I really questioned some days. I had a day Saturday where I really questioned, and I said it out, why am I doing this? My son is 26. I've, I've put in my time, but I cannot stop. I, I, I cannot see myself claiming to be who I say I am and turning my eye um, 
to these kids, and I tell you, they are looking, they are waiting, they are longing for someone to pay attention. Our parents are on overload. We have single-parent homes, and they're just trying to, to do enough to keep food on the table. No excuse. I, I, I'm not excusing parents for, from their responsibility. However, I know what it feels like to need a little help. I know what it feels like to feel like you're drowning and you're responsible for this life and you feel so overwhelmed till you almost can't, you don't do anything because you really don't feel like anything will help. And so I ask teachers, uh, neighbors, have some compassion. Look out, do something, help out. Um, Again, you just have to go and you have to do and show these kids love, and I promise you, I promise you, they will give you something in return. You will get more than you expected, more than you ever could imagine if you just reach out with consistency, love, and discipline as well. They want it all. They want it all. So I just challenge everyone to do that. Um, be the best you can be, especially if you're claiming to be a Christian, religious, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you can turn your eye to this, then I, I, I suggest you get on your knees a little bit more. And I'm just going to put it out there just like that, if you can turn your eye to this. So I thank you guys. And, again, I pray that you come back. We really would like you to come back. I, we didn't address many things. Um like to talk, give, have it to where parents can come on and, and really kind of find out some things that they can do differently, even some parenting tips. You know, if it's just a simple, hi, how was your day today? How did things go at school? Those Those words can make a huge difference in the life of a child just walking through the door or when that parent walks in the door from work. Um, and we can't just assume that parents – know this or feel comfortable doing this because we're in a bad place. This world has, has 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 gotten a lot of us in a bad place so deep down into that to that valley until they feel like mm-hmm. nothing that they do will make a difference. So give back. Start there. I'll turn it back All over right. to you right now. I'll let you do your do. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All right, and we, well, we do want to give each of you, if you could take uh, about a minute, uh, we'll start with Ms. Jackie and go to Mindy and then Jamal, and then I'll close this out. We'll uh, give you about a minute to just uh, give us any final remarks. Uh, please share your uh, your Twitter handles uh, and any information so that people can reach out to you um, who have tuned into the show. Or uh, A lot of times we get... Um, many people tuning into the archive show. So any information that you would like to give out so that people can reach you or find out about uh, what you're doing in your community, your school, um, at home, or anything. Uh, Ms. Jackie, go ahead. Um, yep, Jackie Craig, and I'm Jackie C. 1989. That's my Twitter handle. And I also have a blog at Jackie C. 1989.blogspot.com if you're interested. I haven't been posting as much on there because I ran for school board in our district and I came in fourth out of six, three spots. So being my first time running, I got around 6,000 votes. I still feel pretty decent about that, so I hold my head high. Um, I I, I had a wonderful conversation. I'd love to come back. Um, Everything that that was said, I, I heard everything that was said and I take it to heart and and um, I'll use that. So I appreciate your time and uh, your passion. Thank you. All right, uh, Ms. Mindy. And thank you, everybody. And.
Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. This really has been a wonderful discussion. I absolutely would love to come back. Um, my Twitter handle, it would be at capital M, I N with lowercase I-N-D-Y, capital R-O-S-I-E-R, Mindy Rozier. Um, I have um, an online paper where I gather articles from, be it in New York or across the states, that could be found on my Twitter feed. Um, what's important to me is that, be it a student or teacher, or principal, or parent, no one is alone. We are out there to support each other. We need to recognize. Mm-hmm. We need to recognize who we are to each other. Be there for each other and fight back. We can't be silent. We we need to do this. We need to protect all of our children. And I welcome any conversations anyone would be willing to have with me on Twitter, advice, conversation, or just just to gripe about things. You know, I, I am there to help everybody. So thank you again, and I hope everyone has a great night. And happy birthday to me for being on this show. This has been a great, great end to my evening. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much. You. Uh, this is Jamal Bowman. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you can uh, tweet me at Jamal A. Bowman. That's J-A-M-A-A-L-A-B-O-W-M-A-N. Uh, yeah, that's my Twitter handle. And great, it was great being on the show. Thanks for the invite. Really appreciate it. Um, would love to come back and, and discuss you know, all of these topics, again, I think it's the, you know, as someone mentioned uh, earlier, the consistency that's going to get us to where we need to be, um, relentless, obsessive consistency um, toward justice, um, and I think we could create a beautiful world, and I look forward to doing that um, with all of you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to end it with this. Um Children are being disserviced all across our nation um, because of injustice. They're losing out. They're missing out on opportunities. They're being affected in so many ways because of the decisions made by other people and those people being adults. We have to remember that every choice that we make as adults not only impacts our lives as moms and dads, teachers, administrators, lawmakers, but we also have to remember that there are children who are going to either reap the benefits or the consequences for the decisions that we make. So before you set out to do anything, Make sure that there's going to be a reward in the end for you and everyone else involved. We want to thank our three special guests for being on with us this Monday night. Education is always a top priority on the Butterfly Evolution Show, so this is not the end. We will definitely be in touch with our guests and hope that they can join us in the near future. Until the next time, have a good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone.
Like fighting with gravity And it's bringing me 